again we are staying consistent it is entertainment with i am where and that is deeds to my right left hello left on the screen right in real life and i today today's a good episode so we've got a lot of stuff to kind of talk about some things that we've brought up in multiple uh episodes before that we're finally i'm, I'm ready i'm on track i have notes <laughs> to go through uh, we just what we both watched over the weekend. Um, oh, my notes are the I try, I try, but that's how we end up on tangents for three hours because it's just like if I don't have it down, at least like a, a little bit, like just just a word where I'm like, all right, go back to that. And we just we rant and we'll go for hours. But we uh, the stuff but, is fresh though. That's that's the key. Yes, especially I was, thinking, with- I was thinking about it beforehand. If I don't think about it before we start. Then it becomes a little tangenty because I got to pull and remember, but everything's yep. fresh. So, but we are, we are, we both watched uh, the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's, uh, so uh, basically a reboot. I'm pretty sure, kind of, is the way they kind of they kind of advertise that, but not directly. Soft, soft, soft reboot slash sequel. Yeah, and we we're gonna we're gonna re- spend the first first part of this reviewing that. My notes here include a kill count where I put team one and team two and then put check marks on a kill count. Oh, and damn. we're, yeah, so we're, we're going to start at the very beginning of this movie right now. The first 12 minutes. I, what, the, like, <laughs> the first, the, the, the first 12 minutes are utter insanity. They really are, not only for the sheer fact that you can absolutely see Weasel's penis. As they're doing their slow-mo walk. I noticed someone pointed that out like yesterday. And I went, huh? And I was like, oh my god, you can. But that's not what we're talking about. So you get your big introduction to Team 1. In this whole, you know, Waller's sending out another team. You get a whole little Michael Rooker montage of everything he's going through. Now, James Gunn had announced when this movie came out, don't get attached to anybody. What happens next completely threw me for a loop where, and this is also why I have the kill count so we can round this off. So team one, which is what you're introduced to. We've got Harley Quinn, Rick flag, weasel, javelin, blackguard, captain boomerang, Mongol TDK and savant. That is, that is your first team going out. Now real quick before just before we, we really get into it, um, Gunn saying that, and then Warner Brothers essentially coming out being like, "Yeah, we told him he could he could, he can kill whoever he he wants." <laughs> I was and, expect- and James Gunn said, "Okay." <laughs> I I was expecting it. I should have seen it coming 
when it started happening, but I thought it was going to be more along the course of the entire movie. <laughs> Not in the first 12 minutes. <laughs> and there, there, <laughs> one death in particular, which I was actually shocked. In, we might be in, thinking the same thing here. In this. Um, I, we, we definitely are. Is it, Boomerang. Yeah, yeah. Completely. I, I had to, I paused the movie and went, what? Like, especially when the camera pans and he's, his arm is in the air just holding the boomerang. I'm going, no, he's getting up. That's why you're showing that. And they just, whoop, nope. right past it. Completely caught me off guard. Entirely. Yeah, I, I, I was not. If he was going to go down, I thought it was going to be at least later. Yes. I didn't think he was going to be one that got killed off. Once this melee started, like I thought maybe he would have got like fucked up or something at most. Mm -hmm. But no, when it looked very obvious that like everybody on this beach, with the exception of two or three, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, technically, technically two, it's two, but it's three for two hours of the movie. Um, um. Well, first off, so, yeah, so they get deployed on the mission after the Michael Rooker stuff. Yep. And they're dropping into the ocean to storm on this beach. <laughs> and Weasel is the first one to go. Which I also, I, this first is again. Off, first off, can you answer this? Who who the fuck is, is this? Is Weasel a made-up character? Is he an actual D like is this an actual DC villain? Who right, is he so, a villain for? Where the fuck what book does he come from? All right, I can actually I I can pull that up right now because he is and I think that's the whole thing too where I brought up that the video I saw yesterday is that you can absolutely see Weasel's dick flopping around and that was a big point a lot of people made was that they were interested to see what was going to happen with Weasel because in the comics Weasel wears clothes. And give me a second. I'm pulling it up now. So Weasel actually wears clothing. This is this is your comic book Weasel here. So I don't know any of his backstory, nor do I kind of want to at this point. I, 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 like, <laughs> I like James Gunn's version of Weasel better. Yeah. Because like, this Weasel looks like he's a threat. And James Gunn's weasel, played by his brother Sean Gunn, right there, yep. on the on the on on the one picture. Um, Where are you looking? Is, he is not there. He he is he is he he he's <laughs> this, this me just... mental mental. What's the word? I'm looking. He he is men mentally slow. He's deranged. For sure. It looks like the engine's running, but nobody's behind the wheel kind of thing. <laughs> there we <laughs> it's, go. Yes. It's exactly right with this picture right here. You can see it just dead and empty in the eyes. Not even dead in the eyes. Just empty. Empty yep. in the eyes. There. Yep. And so, yeah, I like James Gunn's version better. Just going off of that one comic book picture where he looks like a, like he could be like a supervillain. But, yeah, so... Weasel's the first to go, and he lands in the water, and fucker can't swim. So another fun thing that this is I saw, you know, 
I at 5 a.m. this morning, someone pointed out. So while Rick Flag is going through the whole spiel before they jump off the helicopter plane, whatever it was, Weasel is chattering and making noises and jumping up and down in his seat. And I didn't notice this the first time watching it. He is trying to let them know he cannot swim. He's like trying to let them know like this isn't going to go well. And everyone's just ignoring him because he's just chattering and not speaking English. Oh, and they were no. just like, and they were just like, let him go. That's cool. But then why did he just run and jump? Uh, because I guess probably because they would have just blown him up. <laughs> I guess he was kind of hoping for, which was exactly what happened next was someone to hopefully just get him out of the water, which surprisingly, not what I Nobody expected. Does. Yeah. Except, except for Michael Rooker, which also caught me off guard. Because again, this is these are characters that I know nothing about. You Same. know, like is very like zero about, with the exception of what little I know from uh, is it David Ayers that did the first one? Whatever his you know his characters going into this one, I know nothing about these characters, and I know James Gunn, which is what made Guardians of the Galaxy so good is James Gunn likes to reach in, pull these D-list characters with mm -hmm. A-list actors, I yep. might add. D-list characters with A-list actors and throw them into a story. So I have zero intel, with the exception of Harley Quinn was in the animated series, and that's where she came from. <laughs> and that's yep. that's it. And, yep. and, her, and her Joker relationship. That's all I really have on any of these characters. Except for, and I will get to it, but I will say I've done research on King Shark. Because even before this, thanks to Ron Funches, I have a very big love that for is, King that Shark. Is, that is, that you you just reminded me how originally I wanted to start this. I wanted to start this going like disguise, fake mustache. Like you still look like a shark with a fake mustache. Which I got. I will say, uh, you know, before we get too in depth on King Shark, is probably my favorite Stallone role to date. Is King yes. Shark absolutely favorite Stallone role to date? So as this movie progresses on, they are storming this beach in, I believe, somewhere in South America. I think maybe some made up well, city. Well, I don't know. For, for, so Weasel drops in. Yeah, can't swim. Nobody does anything until the, like the very last second when mm -hmm. Michael Rooker's savant jumps in. <laughs> And then I don't know why my dog is barking. <laughs> Michael Rooker's savant jumps in. <laughs> the weasel is dead. The weasel is dead. Yeah, real quick, they all get up. They're all they're all ready to be stealth. They're on the shore. They're all behind rocks, and he and he just has to go. Weasel's dead, and they and everybody's sitting back at HQ. It just goes. Uh. <laughs> the light no, goes see, out. No. No, see that's not true. People get really? pissed. At, people get pissed, and 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 it's it's Weller, right? Yes, Weller, and, or Waller, and, something like that. And well, so like this is one thing. I, so one of the rumors I heard was that Team A was sent in as a decoy, mm -hmm. and I don't believe that because if that was the case, then Weller would not care that Weasel just that that Weasel drowns. But when they cut back to her, she goes, shit. And regardless of how you that's, want to take that's that. That's a fair point. I actually forgot about that. I didn't even make note of that. That's that's a and, good point. And that's because that's her asset. I think that before 
the events of what happens comes net like the immediate what happens next. Before that happens, I think her plan was to just have these two teams obviously have them not know about each other, but I think her plan was for them to all meet mm-hmm. and then go out with the mission. Obviously, if there were some casualties, I don't think she expected because that's what I think everyone forgets what happens next. <laughs> and you can continue because you seem to have the detailed notes on it. Yeah, I, I did. I sat there. I should have watched watch, which is how I miss details. Like Weller saying shit. Cause I remember it as you said it, but I didn't make a note of it. It's because making notes of everything else. So as they, uh, you know, everybody jumps out, they're all on the shore. And then with a surprise tables turning, Pete Davidson walks out into the open. His character is Blackguard again. I know nothing about him. Goes out, puts up his hands and goes, hey, man, I'm the guy that called you. They're they're all here. Hey, everything's okay. I got all of them. We even got a werewolf. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's another great moment, too. Great moment of just cheap comedy, and I love every second of it. Him going like, is this like a fucking werewolf? And then him freaking out on the plane. Yo, is this a, yo, is this a dog? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know breeds of dogs. Like, what? Like, so such... And I don't say cheap comedy like it's like it's a bad thing. It's very like it's it's meant it's directly meant to be like, all right, we're going to hit the low hanging fruit of this. There's like, yo, is this which, a dog? <laughs> which that which that leads me to believe that that they had no idea of what the final initial version of Weasel was going to look like when they filmed that. <laughs> that le- that leads me to believe. I mean, it it works either way, but that honestly leads me to believe that maybe originally he was going to look like the the couple of cartoon where like kind of more dog like mm-hmm. with the snout. But then James Gunn was like, "No, like this, th- he's gonna look ridiculous." <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm pulling it up now because I've seen a lot of it in the last couple of days. A lot of the original concept art from this has been. Obviously, because the movie is out, so it's kind of all coming out during interviews and everything. Because um, there wasn't initially, because especially with that fact of they probably didn't know what Weasel was going to look like. Also, with the fact that I, in the original concepts, and I don't know where to find this video, but it's floating around. Um, and it wasn't a leak or anything. It's just something floating around no, with the release it, of the movie. It's there. Is a re- initially, which this came out a day ago is Deathstroke was supposed to be in the spot of Bloodsport. That was their original concept art of this. I don't see any concept art of Weasel. Hopefully that comes out in the coming days where we can get a little bit more of what, like... The concept art you you see is essentially uh, of uh, Team 2, which we will eventually get to, uh, their arrival on the beach. Yes. Just instead of Idris Alba's character, it's Will Smith's character from the original. But as we all know, with the exception of Men in Black, Will Smith does not do sequels. It's it's actually it's not it's not Will Smith. It's uh Joe Joe Magna Magnoliello. It's it's Deathstroke. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you here because they look their helmets look very similar because Is Deadshot. That 
dead shot. Sorry, yeah, yeah, de- dead bad. shot is, but no, from the concept art, if you look at it real quick, it's easy to get them mixed up because they're both armor clad helmet wearing dudes. Um, oh, so but, it's supposed to be Maganella. Oh, well, that bums me out. Why, why, why didn't Maganella want to do it? That's a, that's a good question. I don't know. Like I said, I, Are you I sure? don't the only reason I'm arguing is because every everything that I've heard, every everyone has said that that's that's supposed to be Will Smith. They haven't brought up they didn't. No one has brought up Joe Maganello, and everyone has brought up the Will Smith doesn't do sequels, which is a fact, except for Men in Black. Hold on. I mean, you could be utter. You, you could be completely right. So here's your here's your article. Let me see if they've actually got it in. In this page, because I've seen the uh, the still from it of, yeah, here we go. It's this one right here. Let's see what comes up here. Hold on, because it's bringing me to Twitter. So let me switch over to a different page. We're re- we're really we're getting really professional with this today. I'm pulling I'm pulling up sources. We're looking at pictures. <laughs> We're we're we're, we're, making, we're making like we're we're really getting the hang of this. So, yeah, this will blow up a little bit more. So here's your initial shot of the concept art and everything. He's obviously he's pointing at everything. I'm trying to be like weird and trying to see if I don't see weasel. But this is this is this photo right here, which is what's coming up. And then if we scroll here, so that is Deathstroke. Oh wait, no that that might be no that's Deathstroke. Yeah, that's that is your Joe Magnoli. I can never say his name. Um, Mar- Mar- yes, married to Sofia Vergara, guy. That was his character from um, Batman versus Superman, and uh, then he makes an appearance in the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So that would that seems like that was their initial plan. Was to get him to lead up that team two, team B, now, whatever you know. Now I'm shocked that like everyone has confused that with. Oh my my with, favorite with, thing I'm seeing with, with Deadshot. My 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 favorite thing I'm seeing As is I that did. they're getting Deadshot and Bloodsport mixed up. So I'm seeing like certain people reviewing on like TikTok and Instagram, and they're calling it Bloodshot and Deadsport. And I'm not fucking kidding where it's like, all right, man, like before you do like, you know, no, just be prepared because do a couple takes, you know, it's where we work. We record as we go. This is, this is live recording that we release later, but just get, you know, it's like, it's like, do you really, you got 50,000 followers on your page here. Make sure you say the names right. Cause then no one's paying attention to the rest of it, but yes, we're, we're also halfway decent at, at, uh, course correcting ourselves mm-hmm. almost instantaneously if not right after the mistake is made so. <laughs> so Pete Davidson goes sells everybody out and then gets shot through the face which the the initial shot looks like it's just a normal sniper shot to the back of the head until shit hits the fan and they pan over his body and his whole half of face it's is just gone. blown out like just you gone it's just it's destroyed at that as a, point as a pete davidson fan i was upset but that's fucked like, up how you how you gonna sell out the suicide squad right and and what what leads me to curiosity is and i don't think it's addressed i may have to rewatch again to see if it is addressed 
But what did he sell them out for? Just to get out? But he's got the bomb implanted in his head. I can only assume that they, um, excuse me. I can only assume that they lied to him saying that they could take the bomb out and that they would give him money if they, if he sold out the squad. Which if, which we learned shortly after, because then as right after he gets shot, everything fucking hits the fan and bodies start dropping. It is a beautiful, it is the opposite end of the Guardians 2 intro with Baby Groot dancing around. It is a montage to a classic song of just everybody getting murked just through, death. <laughs> through just this whole death. through this whole thing everyone that everyone that everyone that that Tyler named uh a few minutes ago when he named off this team one all with the exception of two of them Dead. yeah it's it's i i can i let's see remember actually i can't remember all of these so i know while Rick Flag and Harley actually keep themselves down, because obviously not to jump out and you know get themselves killed here, they're both. Um, oh, I can't think of the fucking word because oh, it's not hiding, but they're they're out of the way. They're about, cover. Yes, that's it. Thank you. They're taking cover as everything's going down. I think Javelin just gets shot a few times. I think he just catches a few bullets because it takes a little bit for him to die. Um. He has Which, to have this whole. He has to have this whole moment where he passes his javelin. To yeah, Harley. passes his javelin to Harley, which and was goes, such a. You're weird the moment. only one who. You're the only one who's worthy to. And uh, what, what's the line? I I, I want to say I'm going to paraphrase it. Is you're the only one worthy enough to handle my javelin, which also could come off as a dick joke, but also at the same time, one of my favorite things ever any movie does is I have to tell you something. It's about your. Ugh, dead and they did that in this movie where he's like you're the only one and he's like you need it for or something like that and then just dies and harley's going what what do i need it for i need it for what and, and smack him in the face like i need it for what and I, I love when any movie does that it's a very old school trope but i love when it gets done because it's one of my favorite things ever because it's like that's how i want to go i want to on my deathbed like sit there and make up some bullshit. It's like, I do have money and it's buried beneath uh, and just go where everyone's going. Where, where he seems like the motherfucker that would have something hidden somewhere. Where did he hide it? Where could he have hit it? And I love when movies do that. So I know Mongol goes and tries to take out a Mongal. helicopter. Is it Mongal? Is that what it's it is? Mongal. I didn't know that. I thought it was just Mongol. Mo uh, Mongol, Mongol is her father. Oh, is it? Yes. I, I, know I, know that, I, I, I know I know I know that much. You're very confident in that first second. I was like, is he being facetious? Where it's kind of like, no. don't call me Mr. Matthews. That's my father's name. Where I was like, is he being and then like, but your confidence in that was like, all right. So it's Mongal, which actually she 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 tries to be heroic. She even calls out, she's like, I got it, flag, and goes, and he goes, Don't <laughs> he's like, don't do that. In which this helicopter spirals out of control. Yeah, she just runs, jumps, ju grabs on the, the 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 legs of the helicopter. Uh -huh. and just starts this helicopter starts going out of control. Bullets are flying everywhere, which then comes to obviously. Then the helicopter goes down and takes out Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang, who was a big player in the first one, 
He was. He's also. I want to say absolutely, especially with the video game coming out, which we talked about in a previous episode, with Samoa Joe doing the voice of King Shark in the video game, is that Captain Boomerang is in that. I believe he has been a staple through most of the Suicide Squad teams. I know in a lot of the cartoon movies, Captain Boomerang and Harley are two main, you know, main Suicide Squad members in every t- like orientation of this team, um, and they in the first twelve minutes they take him out. They and he and oh. what I what I I hated it, but what I loved about it is that he went out with a smile on his fucking face. I fucking love that. He looks at Harley, you get that somber moment of she knows her friend's about to die, and he has a smile on his face as that plane or that helicopter crashes into the ground. Right and, into him. And then amongst all the chaos, because then the javelin scene shortly after this. Savant, actually, no, TDK. We got to talk about TDK, which I believe was a. I have to look this up because I'm I'm going off of an interview with Nathan Fillion, but I'm pretty sure TDK was actually created by James Gunn for this movie specifically. He is, but he's based off of. Is it? Is he? I'm I'm pulling up a DC wiki right now to to find out. He's he he's based off of a character with a worse name. That's um, a, which essentially it's the same power. Like he can rip off it. He can rip off. He just, he just detached, which I believe, let's see his full. Come on, stop scrolling. I believe his full thing is the detachable kid. TDK. Yep. <laughs> in, in which in the middle of all this, he tries to help. He detaches his arms and instead of punching anybody, which I believe is far, which is funny too, as far as the sciences of things is you need to have some force. And because his arms are detached, Probably can't give as much force, despite the fact that he's a metahuman that can detach his arms. He just begins slapping soldiers, like just like fighting with your siblings, slapping soldiers. Ow, 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 ow. And stop it. And the, you know, and then he gets you know gets blown through with bullets. And then Savant is sitting and cowering. <coughs> this he is he's hiding and cowering this whole well, time. No, for, first they blow. First they shoot. They they shoot the shit out of his arms. That's right, and then he just screams and like falls to the ground. <laughs> and then they shoot the shit out of him. Yep. And which, which again is another fun. It's just hilarious because like, oh, shoot his arms, and it's like, oh, like why not shoot him first? They're like, we're gonna shoot his arms, even though it's not doing anything. And then we're gonna shoot it was him. Still effect- it was still effective. It was still and effective. I'm a huge Nathan Fillion fan, and he's another one of those actors that since since he has come into my life, which started with Firefly. I have not been disappointed with anything he has done, whether it be a voice role, a small role, you know, if he's in it for two seconds, or if he's in it for 20 minutes or the whole movie, whole show. I love Nathan Fillion, and I thought it was great. I completely enjoyed that, and especially the fact that, obviously, we know from everything that I believe your uh, your roll call when this all got announced where they announced who was going to be in this movie is that they announced that he was going to be the detachable kid shortened to TDK. But in the movie, they ask him, they're like, what does TDK stand for? And he just goes, and I'm pretty sure he just goes, that's my name or something like that. And it they just blow stand- past the, <laughs> it stands for me. Yeah. It's just, it's, he just completely ignores it where nobody calls him the detachable kid. They just ignore it. And he's like, no, it's just, that's my name. That's it. <laughs> Which when, when they, when they do the scene where it's like, all right, TDK, do your thing. 
and they like they call him the detachable kid and then harley goes that's the detachable kid like it leads me to believe that gun had an idea that maybe one of these characters could get a show it just didn't turn out to be the character that he was originally thinking because that leads me to believe that like he had the idea that he was going to do like a prequel show or something with detachable kid because like they talk him up and like but what <laughs> who the fuck is the detachable kid <laughs> this is his first appearance and then dead and then as as everything is on fire and everything is chaotic michael rooker's savant and michael rooker's a badass michael rooker's generally a badass in anything he's in Especially big, big one, obviously, you know, he's in Guardians, but another big one was him being Daryl's brother in The Walking Dead, which was a huge, which was awesome, which was like the only reason I kind of watched that show for a while. And, <coughs> excuse me. You look like Mary Poppins. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. And, and. I'm Mary he, Poppins, he, yo. He then turns and tries to get away. And Weller's like, fuck you. No, no, I don't think he tries to get away. I think he understands exactly what he's doing in that moment. Yeah, you think he, he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna let myself get blown up here. I mean, if you're not going if you're not going to believe what's her name on her threat, and you actually think that you're gonna get away when she's screaming in your ear, I'm going to blow your fucking head off. Wait, so so what do you think that you think instead he didn't want to die the way everybody else was dying out there he wanted like a quick painless like just blow me up kind of thing and that's why he was like nah I'm not doing this I'm not going out like that so I he think, he was he was like he was like go ahead do it that that that's how I read it because like he doesn't say anything in that mm-hmm. moment he he doesn't say like I gotta get out of here I gotta yeah get he out of here. he's just he just screams right he's just he's kind of sw- screaming he's swimming in a panic almost trying to like keep himself occupied like almost as if like you just do it just do it already like just waiting for because that's also that's the benefit of the bombs too is it's instant and we saw that it's instant head explodes no there's no there's no javelin you know last words no, nobody's in flames and just cooking on the ground it's just instant done. Almost like that's the way he wanted to go out. That's a good way to look at that. I, I didn't think about that at all. At least and then that, that's, that's that's my interpretation. That's how I'm going with it because it doesn't. I feel like in that in that regard, the only way to try to survive is to fight. And if you're gonna run, you, you, you're not gonna survive. And that, that's and not I, like that's not a fight or flight thing. That's because you're not gonna survive because there's a bomb in your fucking head. That yeah, I feel, I feel like too, because because the movie starts with Rooker sitting in his in his outdoor time, and he kills the bird with the ball. And I feel like that because he even brings up to you know Weller when she shows up, he's he's still he's like I got ten more minutes or something like that along those lines, almost like he didn't want to be a part of this anyway. He just wanted to serve his time and just be left the fuck alone. And they threw him into this shit. Mm-hmm. Where that's a, I like the way you're looking at it because that makes more sense. Where he's like, I didn't want to do this to begin with. If you're gonna do it, just do it. Like just yeah. get it, just get it done. That that's how I'm reading it. And unless James Gunn says differently, that's that's how I'm always going to interpret that scene. And also, if you've made this far into our episode, spoilers. By the way, probably should have let off with that. Spoilers, because we're we're going through the movie because we're we are treating this like a legit movie review today. And going through our our impressions of this movie, 
and then at the at the end of this, we will we will give our give basically our scores, our our, our scores on how we felt about this movie. But that is the first twelve minutes, which is not a lot of time in the grand scheme of the whole movie. That is the first twelve minutes of the movie is just chaos and death, and then do, do, does it cut back to? Task Force X uh, headquarters here, or the uh, the green room, or does it immediately jump to Team Two? I don't remember. No, I be- it goes back to the green room, and then I be- uh, and then I believe from there, or from to the HQ, and then I believe from there they're like, "All right, time for Team Two. And then you as excuse me, you as the audience is like, "Wait, what? Team Two? And then they start calling into Team Two, which that's also when, that's did- when we get. That's when we get their slight reveal, and then we get the flashback. Yes, and I did leave out, too. There's a quick little in-between. Harley gets captured right after Javelin dies because she flat-out says to the shoulders, soldiers, hold on. He was trying to tell me something. I'm trying to figure out what. Just give me a second. And Rick Flag does get out injured. He does get into the forest injured. He's keeping in touch with, with Weller and letting her know what's going on. And gets gets into the forest here, and then as Deeds brought up, we get back to HQ. Uh, they start dishing out the money too, because the uh, the Geek Squad was making bets on who was dying and who wasn't. So they're so they're dishing out the money at that moment too. Sad. And then it cuts to Team Two here, which Team Two. Oh, I don't want to make more notes. Don't do that. Team Two is Bloodsport, Peacemaker. King Shark, Ratcatcher 2, and Polka Dot Man. And thus begins our flashback into what makes Team 2 tick? Who is Team 2? And of course, you know, we went back with the, which I believe they did with the first movie, uh, with Will Smith's character is Bloodsport's got a daughter. She's she's on the opposite end. I feel like Will Smith's daughter was doing okay, just in and out of foster homes kind of thing. Bloodsport's daughter, he wants her to do better. He doesn't want her to be a bad human being and and she I, stole a smartwatch. Yes. And I think that's, that's how he gets roped into it too. Cause I think it's, a, I can't remember. This is only a week ago and I can't believe my brain can't remember this. I'm pretty sure it's the same kind of thing. Doesn't want to be involved. And then she threatens to kill his daughter is the whole big thing. I think I can't remember. If that, I can't remember if that's right well, she away. Did, she, she threat she threatens with jail time or whatever. And then she just ultimately just threatens with, like I'll, I'll fucking kill her if I have to. Oh, that's right. Without, she, without without actually saying it, she says it. That's right. She everywhere. does threaten her. She was like, "I can make a phone. Basically, I can make a phone call, and she could end up here." And brings up exactly where he's at, which I believe the uh, and 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 we don't have the best. Um, and sadly, we don't have the best. Um, I forget what she says, but insinuating that she'll probably get killed here. Um, which. Rope, yeah, ropes him, ropes him into it. I'm pretty sure. I feel like in the first one, which has been so long since I watched that, which was also at the time better, still not great, but one of the out of the DC movies was like I enjoyed that one the most, but still not good out of everything that was out at the time that I watched it. But I feel like in the first one with Will Smith's daughter, yeah, they roped him into this, and Will Smith was like, "All right, then here's what I want out of it, no matter what happens to me." And this one, Weller just goes, "No, I'll I'll fuck your life up." Like, I'll, <laughs> she's like, "You do yep. this, or I'll fuck your life up." She and learned then, from the first one. <laughs> and then we start going through the uh, the teammates here. 
Bloodsport gets introduced to our boy John Cena, Peacemaker, who is standing I'm in the do, 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 do. <laughs> who's standing in the doorway of his cell, just at attention, waiting. Look, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Weller goes up to an empty jail cell and starts talking to nobody. That's right. There's nobody. There's nobody standing there. You're just you're hearing a voice, but you don't know where it's coming from. It was absolutely insane. We don't know why it happened. There's a whole section of the movie that's just everybody talking to nobody. It's so weird. But <laughs> which also br- brings another fun joke where, you know, we have described Bloodsport as his, you know, trained as a child to kill by his father to do what do what he does. And she brings up to Bloodsport, your team, everybody has a very specific set of skills and then gives the same exact description <laughs> for Peacemaker, where Idris Elba flat out goes, what are you talking well, about? He does the well, same just, thing I do. <laughs> you, just, you just said we're all unique and you just gave the, two, the same two responses. And, Which I'm I'm glad Idris went when, uh, natural accent for this. Yes. I, fucking, I, I love Idris Elba's nat- natural accent. It just it, it's, it's so good. <laughs> and and thus and thus begins at this moment too, our our weird little tumultuous bromance between Bloodsport and Peacemaker. Because Peacemaker's reaction is, "Yes, I can do what you do, but better." It's like I I shoot bullets, smaller bullets that go through your bullet holes without touching the sides, which then begins this fun animosity that we get through the rest of the movie. Um. And then I believe right after that, right after that is King Shark, where they go into a room and they just open the door and don't tell either of these guys anything. And the reaction is, what the fuck is that? And then brings in my boy. <coughs> and he's sitting there with a book and it's upside down. And he's and oh, he uh, the I can't remember the exact line, but it's along the lines of me read good. <laughs> it's like. Book read me so smart. And where what also, if you didn't notice it, I, Deez, I feel like you would have <coughs> noticed it. For those who are Advent movie watchers and TV show watchers, like we are, as everything you know, Weller is explaining wh- who King Shark is and that he, you know, is rumored Nanawe? to be a dis- yes, Nanawe, which I did see a video from an actual from a legitimate Pacific Islander where they did their research with DC and this is kind of like with Thor and Loki where they've at least done some research in the actual culture. That's exactly that is there's a whole story with Nanawe who got a taste for human flesh. He he cursed with, he had a shark tattoo on his back, but would eat people. There's a whole thing. I would have to pull it up to actually give you a verbatim, but then did their research and then bringing into what is King Shark, who had different variations of how he looked through the comics. I know that at one point he was a hammerhead. At one point he was a little bit, uh, I think he was a little bit more <coughs> shark than humanoid and then became a little bit more humanoid shark. They bounced back and forth with a lot of these. And we, we've we got King Shark, who's basically a toddler at this point, maybe even younger than that. But right after, you know, he sits there and, he's, you know, and he brings up the book. Peacemaker immediately goes, and again, there's other stuff happening, so you might miss it, but Peacemaker immediately goes, huh, look at him. 
He thinks he can read. And then they just they go into the they go into the next room. And it's real quick where I'm like, I'm so glad that he mentioned that. Cause like it's not even like he's laughing at him, but at the same time, he's not being a dick about it. He's just like, ha, ah, look at this. He thinks he can read. <laughs> like it's a very quick moment. And then brings us to uh, I believe right after that is Rat Catcher 2. Because I don't think we see Polka Dot Man until the actual briefing. I don't I don't remember. Am I missing a polka dot man section here? Or do they go straight to Rat Catcher 2? Uh, I believe they go straight to Rat Catcher 2. I could be wrong. I don't Who? I don't remember the exact. Um, which then you know, then we meet Rat Catcher 2, and then the comic gets brought up. What happened? We couldn't get Rat Catcher 1. He's dead. And we just kind of blow past that, and that comes up, and that's important later in this movie. You meet Ratcatcher too. She is asleep, very adorable, adorable young lady, with her little with her little rat fa- friend Sebastian, who is voiced by Dee Bradley Baker, who has done many many voice acting, just voice roles. acting legend. And where the big one right now for me is the fact that D. Bradley Baker is the voice of every single clone in the Star Wars Clone Wars universe, with the exception of, and I can never pronounce his name right either, I think it's Tamira, Tamira Morrison, is who played Jango Fett in the films, but as far as the video games for the shows, it is D. Bradley Baker, and he's also known for doing kind of weird animal voices too, where he voiced Oppo and Momo, in Avatar The Last Airbender, which they don't have any voices. They don't speak at all. They just make noises, which is he what is, he did for Sebastian. He is also the voice of uh, of uh, Old Mech from Legends of the Hidden Temple. No way. Is he really? This is this is where we get this is where we get off. Still still within the realm, but this is where we get off key here. You're kidding me. I didn't know that. I'm, pull, I'm pulling up his IMDb right now. I have to, I have to see, I have to see what else he did that I don't know. <laughs> and there's also there's one other that I, I'm i pretty sure it's him, but I'm going to wait for you to go through the IMDb and be like, no fucking way. Because I'm not as confident that that's the character he plays on this one show I'm thinking of. But I know for a fact, I'm, I'm about 97% positive. I'm, that, I'm I'm waiting. It's it's playing the fucking. Let me get rid that, of that. Let's see if that. That D. Bradley it. Baker is the voice of Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. I'm waiting for it to load. It's giving me this huge free guy like trailer ad at the top of IMDb that's just taking up a lot of fucking time right now. I wish that was. Up. I wish that was Disney Premier Access because I would really like to see Free Guy, but I I don't feel I, safe. I don't feel, I I don't do feel going to a movie theater. I really want to see it too. And I'm actually probably obviously because of the suicide squad, I think HBO max only does like one movie at a time. It's like, it, it, it's it, it, well, their whole thing was that like all of their movie releases were going to be, were going to be also on HBO max. So it's essentially breaks down to like one brand new movie a month. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple months where maybe there's two, but essentially, like whatever their theatrical slate was, there it's also getting released on HBO Max the same day. Jesus Christ, Florida internet! I don't know. Like our streams running fine, and this is just it, this page is not loading. All right, well that's loading. We'll keep going and we'll swing back to that. 
so then we, then we get to yeah we meet Ratcatcher too. She's an adorable adorable young woman with her with her rat Sebastian, um, which then also brings up Bloodsport's fear for uh, rats that get does get delved into later in the movie. But we just know at this point he fucking hates rats. <laughs> He's just he doesn't want to deal with it at all. Up oh, here we go, there we go. That see all I had to do was kind of keep talking about it. All right. Scrolling down here. Yeah, D. Bradley Baker has done so much shit. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he is uh he is Olmec, at, at least in the upcoming. I'm scrolling right now. I know it looks like definitely the announced uh it's like reboot remake oh, of the, Legends the, of the Hidden Temple. The adult remake. Is that is that what it is? It's gonna be adults, it's not gonna be kids in the remake. So it's Cool. I'm I'm okay with that. And that's that's the top one here. And then of course we've got Star Wars, you know, where he's every single clone, multiple voices in American Dad, but also he is Klaus, the uh the fish in American Dad. <laughs> um multiple voices in SpongeBob. American Dad was what I was thinking, but I was confusing which character he was. So I'm glad I didn't sign it. Yeah, it's it's multiple characters, but his recurring one is Klaus. Um, I know he's done, which I'm getting to now. He's done a bunch of different voices for Family Guy, which is always random. Um, he's just uh, he's done so much stuff, and a lot of the times too, he's not just one character in. In any kind of show, he's all—he's always a different. Like he's always multiple characters in any show he's in. Whether he's you know he may have a main character that he voices, and that's a specific voice. But otherwise, they just kind of you know he keeps doing so much stuff through the whole thing, which is great. And again, he, you know, a lot of the times he'll do stuff as well. Where like I brought up in Avatar, where he's uh, it might be Appa. And not because it might be Commander Appa, which is in Star Wars, which is based on Appa. <coughs> it's Appa and Momo. And also in um, Steven Universe, he does the voice of the lion, which again doesn't really speak, but he, he also does like actual animal, animal voices, which is always great. Let's see. He does the clone troopers and everything in Star Wars, which is kind of multiple, multiple things here. All right. Let me. Legends and just kind of find on page here. I mean, if he's the voice, if he's the voice in the reboot, I they're, they're bringing back the original, the original cast for the, so it's it. I'm pretty sure it's the same host and. So it lo- it looks like in 2016 there was a Legends of the Hidden Temple TV movie, yes. and he did the voice of Olmec. And it looks like, according to IMDb, and then the the reboot, but it looks like the original voice was somebody different because it's not coming up on his IMDb page that I am looking at. That's that's false. Let me see. Legends of no, not Legends of the Fall. <laughs> I don't want Legends of the Fall. <laughs> That's weird because you you are right, and I, I wasn't doubting you. It was just so weird because I just typed in like find him page, and just typed in legends, and it wasn't coming up with the original show. Like it just wasn't like as I was hearing, But I went I went to the actual original show's page, and he's he's cast on there. Ooh, close the door. That's that's so weird. 
that's just that's IMDb being fucking weird. Let's Pretty see. much. Yeah, because he he was the announcer and Olmec on on the original. That's so weird. Fucking IMDb being weird. But anyway, so then we get to our briefing where we are, where I believe we are introduced to Polka Dot Man, which also I can I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name either. But that that actor is doing amazing things right now. Which I guess I'll just go back to I'll go back to IMDb, where he was. Uh, he's just he's doing it's, great. It's broken. In, There's no way to reattach it. Attach it. Everything no, he's doing right now. I know he was in Ant Man. Where he's one of uh he's one of Scott Lang's Scott Lang's guys. And then we scroll down here. But yeah, it's it's broken. No, it's not. Let's see, polka dot man, polka dot man. It is though. Oh, that's the top cast. Hold on. You scroll down here. I need the I need the full all cast and crew. I want to make sure I get this dude's name right. It is. Oh God, damn it! All right, hold on. David Dust. Das Malkian? That's probably I'm probably saying that absolutely wrong, but he he's been in so much stuff. He's at, he's in the re uh, the remake of Dune. He has been in uh, multiple multiple Batman things. I know he was on Gotham. I know I haven't watched Gotham. He's also because we we are going to get into some Kevin Smith stuff in the Jane Silent Bob reboot, which I did just watch for the first time last week as well. He is the nervous cop at the very beginning of the movie. Yep. <laughs> he's, he's like, the man's got no dick. <laughs> Just holding the gun, shaking. Where, uh, yeah, and he's actually, he's doing a lot of stuff now. I know his, his kind of probably breakout role, not breakout role, but role where everybody started to recognize him was being in the first Ant-Man. And then, of course, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, he is terrified of the Baba Yaga. But he, you know, actually, it looks like his first like real role was being one of Joker's thugs in The Dark Knight, and then it just kind of goes up from there. And I'm I'm not going to ever say his name again because I'm going to butcher it every time. But where he plays Polka Dot Man, who is just out of his mind. But they're going through the briefing, and we get the scene from the trailer. Anybody have any questions? Hand. And, and just like yeah, and then just we're all gonna die, and Polka Dot Man hopes so, and he is he is the crazy one. He hopes everybody's gonna die, and that brings me in my nose. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes, you're gonna gloss over the glorious line that they gave to John Cena. Um, probably because I didn't write it down. <laughs> so they're talk they're talking they're talking about. The, 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 they're talking about Starro, the creature, mm-hmm. and they're showing the starfish footage. And at, and when they ask any questions, <laughs> Cena, raises, Cena raises his hand and goes, starfish is, is street term for butthole. Do you think there's any correlation? I completely forgot. As soon as you were like, the, you know, they're going on, they're talking about Project Starfish. I just went, oh just, no, that's why I just choked just now. I was just like, <gasps> I was like, I remember now. Just, just straight faced. Just literally, he's sitting there in the room. He's taking his notes, and he goes, uh, "Starfish is a street term for butthole." You think there's any 
And Viola Davis just looks at John Cena with the hatred that like a mother has for a child <laughs> that has been told like not to do something for the millionth time and then they do it and then they get hurt and the mother's just staring there at them at them just like <laughs> you, no <laughs> Which also, now that I'm actually getting into my actual notes after going through the cast, you know, the characters on both teams, now I actually get so we've I because I did write it down, I believe it's Waller, but whatever, we can keep saying Waller, Waller. I don't give a shit. But uh, that's that's why that's how I wrote it no, down. Weller, Weller is the last name of the dude, uh, on the uh, the 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 blind spot NBC show. Oh, I. That's so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Waller. Um, and in which my note, the very first note involving her is just how fucking evil she is using Bloodsport's daughter as leverage to get him to do this, and how much of like so through this film, you've got multiple antagonists, but I feel like, in, in my opinion, the big one that you're supposed to hate is Waller. She is the true villain of the entire film. And that right there, that whole thing, because even I don't remember the actor's name, but he did the mocap for King Shark. He is the uh, he's one of the techie guys is just so. Yeah, he's taken aback. He's like, what the actual fuck? Like what? Like that's just it's so fucked up. And of course, you don't want to go against your boss. And especially with her being this terrifying, evil bitch that she is. And just through the whole movie, I feel like that solidifies that where if you're not paying attention or even by the end of the movie, like I did, you're going, Waller was the real villain. Out of all the villains in this movie, including your protagonist villains, she was the actual big bad through the whole thing with another story on top of it. And then, then of course, Idris Elba, yet to give me a bad performance. In anything he does, yet to give me a bad performance. That man did the voice of some animal in Zootopia and still crushed it. Still crushed it. I think he was the water buffalo in Zootopia. He's and gonna he, he's gonna be the voice in Knuckles. Yes, and we, I, I can't wait to talk about that because I'm actually really excited for Sonic too. Um, and then my so my notes kind of go then go Ratcatcher's adorable and then King fucking Shark in bold and all capital letters in my notes here. But there were also a couple little I know there you know for DC fans there were a couple side characters and the one I noticed most was the one I actually know from the Batman kind of series is Sean Gunn, you know, James Gunn's big thing, not only putting his brother into these, you know, into his movies. But generally, in recent days, we get a CGI Sean Gunn and then an actual character Sean Gunn, where during the scene where they're walking through the prison, kind of accumulating Team 2, of course, you know, you see Pete Davidson, you know, at one point, you see Weasel licking the glass, but Sean Gunn is on, which I believe is also in the same scene, Weasel's licking the glass, Sean Gunn's on the other side as Calendar Man. And I think he just runs his mouth at Bloodsport, which also for those of you that don't know, and this is how badass Bloodsport is, which they have now made canon in the DC extended universe, which has been, I believe it might be the same origin story in every comic, but again, not having comic book knowledge, I don't know. 
is he is in jail for shooting super for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bolt. This man said, I'm done with this shit and shot him with a kryptonite bullet. He was like, we're not playing these fucking games anymore. We're ending issue one. Done. We don't, we don't need any more of this. And he's and lucky he didn't and he's lucky he didn't kill Superman because if he killed Superman, he'd be dead. Oh yeah. And then we don't have a movie. <laughs> um, but Idris Elba is just and my note is actually he is top notch, is the way I describe him. In in everything, but especially in this movie, top notch, because you get the balance of comedic Idris Elba, but also the serious actor Idris Elba. And just kind of that in between. And I do love the fact that we have now had multiple actors. I know the big thing is obviously the war between Marvel fans and DC fans. And we now have not only James Gunn directing, writing, everything he does for Marvel movies and for now a DC movie, but also now the characters, that the actors that we have that are in both sets of movies, including Michael Rooker, Idris Elba, Sean Gunn counts. (laughs) Because he, he is the mocap for Rocket Raccoon, as well as is it Craggle? Is that his name? Like that. <laughs> it's something ridiculous who likes eating his soup. Uh because he's Yandu's uh other other hand guy. Uh Stallone counts because Stallone is the uh I can't remember his uh character's name, but in the comics he was the original Star Lord, but whatever his character's Whoa. name is in Guardians, Not and yet. also doing the voice of King Shark. Uh, also Taika. Yeah. Our our boy our boy Taika is yep, uh, Taika. is also part of both universes. Um which was which was I just I love Sean Gunn's talent. And even like oh, I, I love watching the stills too and seeing like the behind the scenes stuff where he's in the mocap suits and like he's either hunched over and he's crawling on the ground or he's just walking like an idiot. And then to go in and read lines and do things like that too, which I I don't know how mocap works, but I feel like the mocap stand-in for when they're filming also has the lines that the voice actor is going to do. So that way they have the interaction, I would assume, but that's just a guess. That's yeah. Right. So he's going to be able to act out the emotion with the other actors in the mocap suit. So that way they get their emotion on their side and then they CGI in and have whoever's yeah. doing the voice come in. And if you, if you like uh, say when we get introduced to team B and uh, I feel like we got to get back to the review because we, 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 we were doing good for a while and now we've gone on so many tangents. Um, but like, if you were to look at that without the CGI and whatnot, everyone would look the same pretty much but then you would see the the big guy from the from the HQ scenes in a gray suit with dots where king shark is yes so we're going to we're going to kind of fast track this cuz i really want to get into marvel's what if and also clerks 3 for this episode so then we've got we've got a lot of a lot of comedic back and forth of course there's the scene from the trailer with the bag of dicks joke and how Peacemaker would eat every every dick on the beach for liberty? Peace. Or is it for justice? For peace. For peace. That's that's what we that's what we do he, here. He he is 
he is so enamored with peace and wants peace around the world that he doesn't care how many what, he doesn't care how many men, women, and children he has to kill to get it. He would do whatever it takes to achieve you, peace. If someone told and the line, if someone told him, "You need to suck all the dicks on," the, <laughs> they turn the beach into dicks, and he needs to suck all the dicks on the beach. He would suck every one of them if it meant if it meant achieving world peace. <laughs> which also because we've talked about before john cena is great in his role as peacemaker which again along with idris elba going between being serious and driving the story along and his comedic timing is great i all right well hold on i i talked about the dynamic between peacemaker or yeah peacemaker and blood sport and then polka dot man's big thing is his mommy issues he yeah. has he has powers, but his real power is his mommy issues, because his mother experimented on him, which is how he has the polka dot powers. And if he doesn't expel them, I think he says every two hours, he like just or gets twice like, a day. Yeah, he just gets like infected with the polka dots inside him. But these polka dots are gnarly; they rip through shit, they melt things as they go. But his big thing, and he brings up, is the fact that it's easy to kill because he just imagines everybody as his mother. Which then we get a CGI of the entire team all looking like Polka Dot Man's mother staring at him, and he's just dead faced, just like, <laughs> like one one of those moments. Um, and then we fa we we fast forward to then we get with the Resistance characters who have saved Rick Flag, and they're you know which brings Rick Flag back into Team Two, continuing on well, with the mission. Well, hey, real quick, so. The team makes camp for the night and they wake up the next morning. And when they go into the when they go in to go to save Flag, Al uh, Idris Alba and John Cena have this back and forth about like <laughs> who can have the gnarly who can have the gnarlier kill. And like they keep one upping each other, and then Cena like shoots this one guy in the head. Oh, doesn't count. Non-lethal. Yeah, and, Al and Idris Alba's like, doesn't count. Non-lethal. And John Cena's like, exploding bullets. And then like, three seconds later, the, the dude's head explodes. And then, and, and then Idris Alba's like, no one likes to show off. And John Cena's like, unless what you're showing off is dope as fuck. And, and then, then <laughs> Idris Alba turns around and he goes, shit. He's right. <laughs> Which again, that kind of like that that like bromance kind of back and forth is so good between the two of them through all of this. Uh, King Shark and his nom noms, obviously, you know, because he tries to eat Ratcatcher too right before this when they make camp, and they're like, "No, don't do that." And then we learn that King Shark's big thing is he really just wants to make friends, but he also has a taste for human flesh. He's just he's just looking for friends. Dude, that was like that 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 was such a great little scene where like Ratcatcher too is like can see the humanity and the kindness in pretty much everybody mm -hmm. and looks at Nanawe and was just like, you know, like, would you eat your friends? And he's like, no friends. And like, they all kind of get a little sad. At least I got a little sad. And they then she goes, and then she goes like, I'll be, we'll be your friends. Like, will you eat us? And then he's like, no. And then like, there's also there's another scene, um, just in case we don't get to it. Um, it's like later on where they're uh, where they're on a bus, 
and they're driving through the town. Yeah. And he's and, looking out the window. And like you show clips of out the window and you see this one just like kind of like older couple just like kissing. And then they cut right back to King Shark, who's just obviously staring out the window. And like in that moment, it's just like this is like he just wants a sense of belonging. He wants a sense of he wants a person and people, but he wants a per he wants mm-hmm. a connection. And it was just, I thought that little because you could have done that clip and then you could have cut to somebody else. But the fact you cut the King Shark, you're showing like that was what he was looking at, and that yeah. is what he is pining pining after. Which also with with the how they did King Shark too, real quick. Because I'm gonna blow because I've also already brought up a lot of my notes, so I'm actually gonna be able to blow through everything. Is the way they CGI'd King Shark is a lot of the cartoons always kind of, with the exception of you know Ron Funches's King Shark in the Harley Quinn cartoon is they always give some emotion to King Shark's kind of eyes and face and everything. But in this movie, the way they CGI'd it, and someone else, I can't, again, I don't remember who you were, but you brought it up. Someone brought it up in a different review video is the fact that they took his, his dark eyes and bringing up the quote from Jaws saying that, you know, shark's eyes are black like a doll's eyes. And that's what they did for King Shark in this movie, where there, there's just black. There's no real emotion. It's all with his smile. It's all with yep. his mouth. There's no real, fa- you know. There's still your facial, you know, face, facial language. Um, yeah, and you know all of that. But there's nothing with his eyes, which they captured so well. That with and voice him. inflection. Yes. Sure. Um. And then as we move forward, obviously Harley has been captured at this point, and there's a whole montage of Harley with the uh, he's the president or the governor of wherever they're at, and then her sudden but inevitable betrayal. Um, but a big yeah, which her big thing was she was not gonna get in cahoots with this dude because he mentioned killing kids, and she said, "Nah, I can't be with anybody like that." Comparing obviously her relationship to Joker. And she says that, you know, if I was ever with anybody like this again, I would kill them. And she did. But a big thing I wanted to point out about this is I feel like everything, because I know a lot of people, including myself, which is not Margot Robbie and it's not Harley Quinn herself. It's just the central focus on Harley in a lot of things, like especially that first Suicide Squad movie. In this one, there is a balance between all of the characters where this is not centered around Harley through the whole movie and actually wrote her well and gave her depth, which I feel like the other movies didn't do, which someone's going to come at me for it and I don't care. This was the best written cinematic version of of Harley, not in the cartoon form. This yeah, this was the best one that I've seen written. I would agree Mar- with that. Written for Margot Robbie for this movie, and I loved the balance of that. And so then, yeah, we're blowing through things. Obviously, we've got the thinker who was one of the doctors. I can't remember his name. Um, he was Peter one of the doctors. Thank you, Peter Cavaldi. He the is the twelfth doctor. Yes, thank you. Because I was about to say I don't remember what number he was either, but I know he was one of the doctors. And he is, you know, he is the thinker. He has been working on Project Starfish, which is at Jotunheim. It, I will say that for, it does sad, it does sadden me that like I was really big into Doctor Who, like 
pretty much like all of Matt Smith's run, who is the 11th doctor. And I do love Peter Capaldi, but it really saddens me that like he became the doctor around the same time that like my viewership just tanked. Uh huh. I was the same way. I was glad I was able to spend uh, a little bit of time with him again. Just being a lavish dick. Yes. Yes, and his, his whole thing is obviously we they found Starro. It was at the U.S. in space. Found Starro, yeah, brought him the U.S. To, in space. Found Starro, brought, brought him onto the brought him onto the fucking spaceship. Yep, and then thought he was this cute, adorable little space starfish. And boy, were they wrong. <laughs> and then they bring him to uh, they 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 bring him to Earth, and they start running experiments on him. Which leads to that's 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 what Project Starfish is. That's what they're there to stop. The thinker reveals that the U.S. government has been working with the other governments, all working on this, and the U.S. has gone no pull out. And that is what the mission of Task Force X, the Suicide Squad, is to do: is to delete all of this from existence and get the fuck out of there. So that way, there is no way it leads back to the U.S. Shit happens. Um, we've got, we've got the, uh, the club scene, which I believe is meeting a contact or that's when they find the thinker is at the, at the bar, which we have actually a really nice moment between the team where they all have a drink. And also it's funny as much of a dick as John Cena's peacemaker is supposed to be a big thing in that scene is for him to go, um, you forgot about the rat to make sure that the rat had a drink. Yeah. Like, And that's one of the big things is it's got that balance where you almost want to hate him. Cause like you said, like he will kill anybody in his way for in the name of peace, just to keep the peace. But at the same time we'll go, excuse me, lady, the rat needs a drink (laughs) where it's like, do I hate him? Do I love him? I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. Uh, Um, Did you notice, did you, did you notice the, the Easter egg in this scene? Are you talking about, the, the cameo, the the Palm Clemtieth cameo, who played Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy. Are you talking about the standard James Gunn cameo of Lloyd Kaufman, who is in every single James Gunn film ever, who is also in that same scene? But yes, we have Mantis, who is one of the dancers, um, up uh, on the stage. I was referring to both. That was one of the big things I noticed. Of course, you see Lloyd Kaufman first because you see him a couple times in that scene. But as soon as they walk into the bar, he's standing right there. And then you see him again when they're all dancing, which was also another fun scene of them all dancing and trying to be human beings, despite the fact that they are villains that have done dastardly shit and are there to kill people, where it shows the kind of humanity and morality to these characters that they're not just these metahuman, you know, characters in a fictional world that are just superhumans beyond belief, but are still human beings, which this scene touches on very well. Also Rick flag and Joel Kinnaman does great. Another version compared to that first movie, very well written Rick flag and just absolutely awesome. And I want to point out also, because in my notes here, as I'm going through movie was visually stunning even though a lot of it was in the jungle and bleak, a lot of the colors and everything on the costumes for the characters and even Starro and even some of the other scenes, visually great. To did, we take talk some... about, did we bring up Milton? Oh, that's next. That's what, that's what I have next. 
Milton was one of the resistance fighters who also happened to end up being basically their personal chauffeur and basically their guy behind the chair where he had to get what they needed and it would meet back up with them. So then as you know, as we figure out what project starfish is, the thinker has revealed that the U S government is involved and now everybody has a moral obligation. Oh, actually I think at that point it's just rat catcher too. Rick flag and then peacemaker shows back up because they were putting the C4 in the building and then peacemaker shows up thinker thinker reveals everything. And then it cuts back to, you know, eight minutes earlier where they're putting up the C4, which also brings another great scene between peacemaker and King shark where they're putting the C4 up and King King shark Shark has made a peacemaker C4. (laughs) He's got the C4 and and he's showing it to peacemakers like knock it off. And he goes, peacemaker and peacemaker. He goes, that is very flattering. Thank you. That's ridiculous. That doesn't look like me. Put it in the wall. Which then comes, you know, obviously, and that leads to what, how Peacemaker, you know, because the big thing they bring up is Peacemaker is like, why aren't you supposed to be putting up the C4? And he's like, I'm done already. The Thinker reveals all of his shit. And then we get our Peacemaker betrayal and the name of keeping peace, which is his whole goal through all of this, is that he has a mission to keep and in releasing the information that the U.S. government was involved in Project Starfish and all the experience they did with Starro, would cause chaos. Well, Waller had him as a as a backup backup plan, essentially. Yes, and also you know, right after that, we've got the thinker's explosive death as everything kind of happens, and I say that literally, where he gets just ripped apart and explodes on everything. Glorious. And, and um, if you're gonna die all- in a superhero movie. I mean. Because right here in the movie, it cuts back and forth between everybody, like what everybody's doing, which brings us back to Milton. Because while Peacemaker is explaining that basically he's not really, he's betraying, but not really betraying. He's just completing the mission. That's his whole thing in the name of keeping the peace is that's what he's doing. When it cuts back, they've put everything up. They are leaving with the, I believe the detonator fuses. And then our boy Milton gets just gets shot. A couple guys show up while they're in the office section of everything, which is also, if you don't know, an office space reference to Milton. Which, if you haven't seen Office Space, oh, Milton, shit, I didn't even yeah, realize that. Yes, Milton, who is um, oh, I can't remember his last Steven. name, but his first name is Stephen. Uh, he do, he does oh, um, um 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 fuck. He, he, he does the voice of Bill Dotrieve. Yep, <laughs> Bill Dotrieve. He also was in Dodgeball. He, he was Gordy in Dodgeball. He's been in so, he's another one. He's in so much shit. Uh, I can't um, think of his last name, but every time I see him in something, I'm like, I, I always get excited. No matter what the character is or whatever. And, and that dude's got a, and that dude's got a range. He's not just the stapler guy. Yes. He's not just Bill Dotrieve. Like that dude's got a range. I've seen. Yes, yes, I've he seen does. Him do some like serious, like not like super serious, but like no comedy whatsoever. And it's just like I buy it. Let's see. While while I'm pulling it up, I can keep talking too. Um. So they're they're in the office. Milton gets killed. It is Polka Dot Man, Harley, and 
Um, Bloodsport, I did skip before where they go to rescue Harley and there's a cute little scene with, you know, them all being friends and everything like they, that. They, they they have a whole plan. Everyone, like they devise this whole plan and they're executing it while just the scene before we see Harley essentially save herself after killing the dude. Mm-hmm. And then she realized like she escapes and she sees them starting to do their thing and they start executing their plan. And she comes around the corner and she's like, what are you doing? Uh, Steven root is the guy's name. There he we go. Milton, he played root. Milton in office space. And the reference to this is in office space. Milton is like, he keeps getting his desk moved and eventually gets his desk put into the basement where he is then forgotten about. And all he wants is his red stapler back. And he burns the whole fucking office to the ground. But the reference in here is that they're in the office cubicle section. Milton gets killed. They are hiding in the cubicles in which Polka Dot Man, who feels for humanity and has a, has found a friend who has been helping them the whole time, says they killed Milton, which then brings me, which I had to make a gif of it and I'll send it to you, is Who's Idris Elba. Not only that, is Idris Elba going, Milton was still with us. And right before that, there's literal <laughs> visible confusion on his face. He's like, what? Like Milton was still with us, and they go back and forth because, and that's the reference is that Milton was then forgotten about. He's like, what, what was he going to do? He's like, I don't know. He was helping us. He was like, I thought he stayed with the van. <laughs> In which then the Polka Dot Man accidentally triggers the fuses, blowing up the building, which is why, well, while Peacemaker and Rick Flag are talking back and forth in the basement, setting everything off too early. And Peacemaker then kills Rick Flagg, which was an unexpected death. More unexpected than Captain Boomerang, for sure. I kind of expected Rick Flagg to kind of survive all the way through. There's, Cap- there's, a, there's a bunch of things in that scene that I really appreciate. One, I love how um, James Gunn, just to certify that... Um, that flag is dead. Does that what a lot of people would think is a is a random, but it cuts that random CGI heart shot where you see the shred the the That's the right. tile piece pierce his heart to show mm-hmm. you I just killed flag. Yep. Two. I love fucking Cena in that scene because there's that one part where he's legitimately just like. Don't make me do this. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's fighting with Flag. He's fight, fighting with himself. And he literally like he goes to Flag like I can't stop my convictions. Please don't make me do this. You're a hero. It's not going to end well for you. Like without saying that last part, but he's like, don't make me do this. And like the conviction that Cena gave me, like I believe, like I believe, I believe that he was fight. He was fighting with himself. He was fighting with Flag. Everything. Bought it hook, line, and sinker. James Gunn once again takes a professional wrestler and pulls the very, very best out of him. Mm-hmm. So that you know, we've got Rick Flag's death. The Thinker I dies somewhere in the mix of all of this when Starro is released, and then it brings us to the Suicide Squad versus Starro. Oh. And of well, course, well, King, King, that, King Shark seeing the uh, the little fishies and making new dumb friends. <laughs> which was such a sweet scene. Uh, no, before that, where it looks like that they're all like, Starro escapes and they're just like, uh, uh, and they get the comms back up. Oh, that's right. 
and, 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 Weller, they, and Weller's just like mission's done. And then I forget. I think it's Ratcatcher. I think Ratcatcher is the first one. She's just like, all right, well now I'm gonna go take on this fucking thing. Like we're she, done. So what? Because I, I got I got this one in notes too. Is she is the one that says this is fucked up basically, which then convinces Idris Elba to go. You're fucking right, and turns around and goes. We can't let these people die. There are women and children and innocent people. We can't do that. Where a big point through the whole movie is Ratcatcher 2 bringing up to Idris Elba that there is good in him. Sebastian has, you know, and a, and a, a, a fiction for him. And, you know, she's like, there's good in you. And he's like, no, there's not. And this is where that comes out, where he just basically goes, fuck. Turns around, and then the rest of the team then goes with him. And brings it, us to the Suicide Squad versus Star of the Conqueror. Well, well hang on, hang on. You're skipping another part. Waller's got her finger on the fucking trigger, and That's she's right. screaming at, "I'll do it!" Mm-hmm. Uh, and right at like zero second, one of the IT chicks fucking bashes Waller in the back of the head with something. And everyone's just like, what did you do? It's, it's her golf club because she was preparing for a golf with That's a senator right. or something earlier That's in the movie. Right. And she hits her with her own fucking golf club. And and everyone's like to the one chick that she's like, what did, what did you do? And she's just like, what needed to be done? And then I love how the team then all gets on comms like uh, – like a like a home base reconnaissance team and starts giving everyone information like Starro's yep. over here like this will be the you know this will be your route it's like you have this this and that at your disposal mm-hmm. and then yeah we get the big the Suicide Squad versus Starro which yep. in the hands of in the hands of any other director with this premise even though it's only a premise that like James Gunn could come up with any other director like this would have failed yes. Absolutely. And I'm not even and I'm not even going with it because this movie did not look the 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 um the 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 crappiness about the the box office of this movie like it sucks. Mhm. It sucks, don't get me wrong, but this movie is not a failure. This movie is fantastic. Yes. It would have made a metric fuck ton of money if the pandemic never happened. And in the hands of any other director, they would have totally just botched everything. So to kind of just blow through the end of this and then leading up to our, our score grading of this movie and quick little, quick little uh, opinionated reviews here. They go against Starro. They team up together. We get basically a Hulk smash moment with uh, Nanawe where monster is nom nom and he goes and attacks. Oh, that was great! They they they, they finally get up to Star. They get up to Star Owen, and Idris Alba goes, "Norway, nom noms," and he looks at this thing and he goes, "That nom nom, yeah," <laughs> and then just runs and starts trying to freaking eat Star. <laughs> Which that you know, obviously the Suicide Squad prevails. That you know, then they use they use their leverage to basically get get freed. They say, "Nope, we're going to keep this hidden, and you leave us alone." So they're off into the sunset. Basically, quick little Taika Waititi, his character's role was revealed. Seeing this movie where he played Ratcatcher one, 
and also did the voice of Starro. I have to go back and actually see where Starro speaks because I know Starro speaks through everybody he is possessed with his mini Starros. Um, but it's the, pro- maybe it's just the scream. Maybe because he, he does that one scream. Um, but I have to go back and watch that. We get a beautiful moment too because the rats are what really kind of take down Starro, and we get a beautiful moment between Taika. And the actress that plays, you know, with the child version of Ratcatcher 2 explaining why rats, because they're so lowly and despised, if they have a purpose, so do the rest of us. And that is such a beautiful moment that really brings in the humility of this film. In a, in a mo- that scene comes in a moment with a song that is titled Ratism, while this flood of rats cascades over Idris Alba's character. Who is petrified of the of rats, obviously. Yes. While Ratcatcher 2 just like puts her arm around him, like, it's okay, I got you. And she has her moment because if you were thinking, like, in my head, like, all right, yeah, Polka Dot Man's gonna be the one to save the day. He has the gnarly fucking dot thing. And then when he's like, go get him, and sends the dots, and he burns off a chunk of Starro's leg, and then he's like, I'm a superhero, I'm a mother. Yeah, which which was an honorable but hilarious death because that was his his mother tortured his him and his siblings to make them superheroes and made him fucked up, so, and then he finally got his superhero moment and died. So obviously the Suicide Squad prevails. Waller is told basically to fuck off, and they will never release the information that the U.S. government was involved with Project Starfish. Which also before this you believe Peace, uh, Peacemaker is dead, but alas. In the post credit scene, he is not. But also, we get the reveal that Weasel is still alive, coughs up the water, runs into the woods. <laughs> and that's where we leave off with Weasel. And Which, peace- Sorry, not to do behind-the-scenes stuff, but I think I might have a, actually a little bit more time than I originally anticipated. Beautiful. Because that's why I was kind of blowing through things, because I, wa- I want to talk what if, because I know Clerks 3 is going to take up a lot of time. Um. It, you know, and so every, I think everything what if might take more time. Not that I don't l- love the idea of Clerks Three, and obviously we can get into that. But like, sorry, continue, <laughs> continue. continue. I, I was like, you finish your thought too. Um, you know, so mo- movie ends. We get we get our reveals that Peacemaker is still alive, which obviously is leading us into the Peacemaker series, which was done before this movie even aired. Oh, before this that was, was released. <laughs> That was another. Sorry. So now that we got a little bit more time, that was another great moment. So after peace, uh, so after peace, uh, after peacemaker, it's peacemaker, right? Mm-hmm. After peacemaker kills flag, and then uh, tries. Uh, that's when he chases after Ratcatcher, right? Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. He then gets into the showdown with, with. Uh, with, with Idris Alba, with Bloodsport, and from the callback of Cena being like, "I use smaller bullets that go through, penetrate through your bullet holes without even touching the side." Mm-hmm. They both shoot at the same time. Their bullets head right towards each other, and Idris Alba is the one. Bloodsport's the one with smaller bullets that actually pierce through John Cena's bullet, splitting it apart. 
and then blood sports bullet hits Cena in the neck. Yes. Which where, causes him to fall where you think he's dead until 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 yeah, the post credit scene that reveals that Peacemaker which, what, is still alive. Going to the last whatever what what, what what, what are they going to do with Weasel? <laughs> I'm so confused about Weasel. I, what I'm hoping for is that we get like, not I'm I'm not even hoping for a big part of the show, just like a quick little thing, like just a quick little thing, like, oh, yeah, Weasel just pops up randomly, like in the, in, the, in like the peacekeepers, the peacemaker show, just and not even I, like part, but just like. Or he's just living in the jungle in whatever South American country they're in and just surviving. See, in my head, I don't know how they would, but I want the resistance fighters to be able to, like, capture him. But to show him compassion and be like, look, you shred our enemies. You can eat them and, like, we'll take care of you. Just don't attack us. And almost, so, like, I don't know if we see it in Peacekeeper or next move, but I just want to see a shot of, like, Weasel like hanging out with the mercenaries and then like shredding apart some like corrupt politicians. Because a, like, that, that's a how fun the mercenary, thing too is that's how they keep peace on their island. Is and I, I realized too in you know in the beginning when you know obviously Weasel is the first to go. The they have their screen with all the switches for the bombs so that way Waller can hit it when they say when Michael Rooker says the Weasel is dead. His picture goes off, and basically, it's like that switch gets turned off. So, as far as Waller and all of her, you know, government officials and everything involved with Task Force X, is they they just assume that he that he's dead. So they're not even going to worry about him because as far as they know, he's dead and he's never coming back. (laughs) So there's no reason to reactivate a bomb or be like, oh, unless something happens where he like eats kids, which I think he does. Um, or they brought up early in the movie something weird that he does. Unless it's that, they're never going to sit there and be like, "Oh shit, Weasel's still alive. Let's turn this bomb back on." It's just they just assume he's dead, and they're just never <laughs> they're never going to do anything about it. Well, I also can't see. I I feel like they might have to find a different route. Or that only new people of the Suicide Squad are going to have to have the bomb. Mm -hmm. Because I can't see after what they did. I can't see like the rest of the team supporting like having the detonation bomb on Bloodsport, uh, King Shark, Ratcatcher, even Harley Mm -hmm. at this point. You know, like yeah, obviously, like, obviously, you know, like, yeah, maybe keep it in Harley and King Shark just in case. Because, yeah, if King Shark just starts going crazy and there's no talking to him at some point, then, yeah, you may just want to go. But, like, I can't see anyone in that team being like, whoa, we're putting the bomb back in blood. No. Yeah. No, not at all. So, and all in all, my my overall for this movie, with a little bit of a uh, background on this too, I I absolutely enjoyed this movie. I will absolutely watch it again when it comes out. I will absolutely purchase the Blu-ray, everything like that. 
and I give I give this movie a 10 out of 10, but more so for the individualism in it. The story is, in my opinion, is just your cut and dry <coughs> point A to point B story uh, with the overlying like these here's the team there's the bad guy that's what they do but it's more the individualism and the stories with the characters and the character development that completely come over the story in my opinion where i give it an absolute 10 out of 10 where uh james gunn i thought james gunn did great and i i stand by my rating one one of the youtubers that i watch billy turn that down a little bit please one of the YouTubers I watch, this guy John, uh, this guy John Campia, uh, he's been a reporter of some kind for years. Uh, I can only assume that um, with the recent trend in the last couple of years, even before uh, the pandemic, of people of people doing their own thing after leaving. Like uh, I can only assume he was with a newspaper or some website, and then eventually just struck out on his own because he has his own show. But whatever, that's besides the point. Um, mm-hmm. He did an interview with uh, Kevin Feige years ago when Feige first announced uh, James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy. And at that point, James Gunn really didn't hadn't done something that you could see him pulling off the scope of a Marvel movie like that. Right. And the question that Campia asked Feige was, why James Gunn? And Kevin Feige said, because a great storyteller is a great storyteller. And that they, as long as someone is a great storyteller, they will be able, they will be able to get, I, I can't, I'll, 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 I'll count it later, boo-boo. Um, and that as long as you have a great storyteller, they will, they will make sure that the, the great story gets told. Yes. And James Gunn is a great storyteller. There's no, there's, you, you can't, I mean, you can, but you're wrong. Like you can't debate it. You can, but you'd be wrong. Um, whatever this dude touches as of late is it, it, like, it, it's just, it's gold. That because and, uh- with, it's with the care you. that he takes in every it's the care that he takes with his cast it's the care that he takes with his crew it's the care that he takes with his story it's the care that he takes while directing the movie it's the mm-hmm. care that he takes all across the board which is why his uh, um, which is why his films are top-notch which I, you know, with James Gunn, I have yet to be disappointed by anything he's put out. But a big thing also with with Guardians and then also with Suicide Squad, which is something I absolutely love, is that it adds that like obviously these are fictional worlds coming out of the pages of comic books and everything that as kids people re- you know we read and we see on TV. And the big thing with James Gunn that he did with both Guardians and Suicide Squad was adding that human element for you to relate to his characters and the way he told the story so that there is that humility to it instead of just being super metahumans in this fictional crazy world, which is something James Gunn does very well. Taika Waititi is another one where a lot of their films before jumping into super the superhero world was 
these kind of their own, obviously original storytellings. And also I know, um, Taika did, uh, the fuck is that? It's, it's something with the wilder people, which is based on a novel. And is it like what we do in the shadows or something like that? That that's another one Taika did where he also starred in, which all you know, and they were not like they still had your human element to them, but like using my one of my it's absolutely one of my favorite movies is James Gunn's Slither, which also featured Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, where an alien comes down to comes down to earth, infects Michael Rooker, and then he becomes this giant monster obsessed with meat. And it's a, it's a very it's a sci-fi kind of thing. And I didn't see um was it Brightburn is what it's called? Yeah. Um I I haven't seen that. I definitely want to watch it. If it's on HBO, I'll definitely watch it this weekend where I can talk more about it. I'm sure that had a little bit more human element to it because I believe that was like his story was telling like what if basically what if Superman went evil when he came to came to Earth? I believe <coughs> is the the general well, it's not a good synopsis, but the general synopsis. His, his whole idea, and I can only assume is it, it was a grandiose idea after getting uh, getting canned from Marvel. Boo boo! I'm in the middle of doing stuff. Okay, please stop. Now pick it up. No. Um. Um. He was, it looked like he was setting up for like an evil, like, yeah, like what if Superman and he essentially he was going to tell Billy, can you please stop? Come on. You don't need to please. I'm, I'm doing a, I'm doing a podcast. Fine. Take this off. Go pick up your stuff. Mommy comes home and sees the mess. She's not going to be happy. Um, and yeah, his idea was, I think to like essentially take like the justice league and just show like. Evil Superman, yeah. evil Aquaman, evil Flash, evil Wonder Woman. And I think that kind of just like, I think he had, you know, I, I like I said, I, I, it sounds very grandiose. I feel like that was his idea after, like initially after getting shit canned from Marvel before getting the Suicide Squad gig and then before getting rehired by Marvel. Um. And I, I, like I said, I'm sure in that one because obviously the pair, because I know it's basically this metahuman as a, you know, or actually it's an alien dude as a as a teenager. Basically, I'm sure that he puts some human element into the parents working with trying to make sure that their kid doesn't turn out evil, which I'm sure there's a lot of human element to, but also at the same time, Guardians and Suicide Squad. I think he knocked it out of the park with adding that humility and human element to everything. And Taika does it too. Taika does great. And Taika's on that list. Like, like you quoted with Fihi being these awesome, so an awesome storyteller is going to be an awesome storyteller to the point where obviously, you know, when gun got shit canned from Marvel or from Disney rather, and then hired for suicide squad, but also tight. I believe it was just announced recently. I don't have a source. It might be wrong that Taika has finished his Star Wars story and he's really excited about what he has written for that. Where again, you've got these two prime examples of they're just damn good storytellers and they add such a human element to everything that they touch that it's, it's going to be good. And that's why I brought up too. like, I give this movie a 10 out of 10, but it's not for the overlying story. It's not from the point A to point B story that, you know, it's not the hero's journey story that I, I give it a 10 out of 10 at. 
It's the way he wrote and did these characters to have you feel for the characters, to have you sit there. And besides the adorableness and innocence of King Shark, but also, like I said, with, with uh, Peacemaker, is at first you're like, are right, he's kind of a dick. Do I like him? Do I hate him? And even at the end, you're like, am I supposed to hate him? But really, he's like, yeah, because like you said, with the Rick Flag scene, he's like, don't make me do this, where he's fighting with himself, too, where they he wrote these awesome stories with these characters that you can feel for, as opposed to just a standard superhero movie, point A to point B. Hero, yeah. you know, hero shows up, hero goes through a trial, hero prevails, hero saves the day. There's a lot more to this than just your A to B. It's everything in between with these characters and the way it was written that I, that's why I give it a 10 out of 10. Cause I mean, like James Gunn knocked it out of the park. No, I mean, I totally agree. And uh, not that I don't want to give it a 10 out of 10. I feel like we have to come up with our own kind of rating system or something because like, yeah, it's like, is it one of the best movie? Like, is it the greatest movie ever made? And everything about it is like, you know, like a cinematic masterpiece. I mean, I, but you know, again, that's not for me to say, you know, but did I enjoy the hell out of this movie? Was I thoroughly entertained? Was the CGI top notch? Was the, were the characters great? Was the story told? Was the story that I was being told? Like, was I invested? Absolutely. Uh, the actors, uh, or just, uh, you know, I feel like everyone knocked it out of the park. Like it was, I, I would definitely watch it again. I think so many people, I, I, I think this is a breakout performance for John Cena. I think this is a breakout performance for the chick who plays Ratcatcher. Mm-hmm. I think this is a breakout performance for the dude who plays uh, Polka Dot Man. Um, I feel like the three of them are going to be in a lot more things down the line because of this movie. Um, and yeah, it kind of just all kind of just, uh, I feel like it all kind of just easily rests on James Gunn's shoulders. Like he is the mastermind behind the concoction that was the suicide squad, which great storytellers are great storytellers. That and at least for me with the way I kind of look at movies and everything is all right. And we all know, and I've talked about it a thousand times. If you're watching on YouTube too, you can see behind me, I've got an empire fucking flag. I've got my stormtrooper helmet. Star Wars is my shit. You can't see my clone wars Funkos that are directly behind my head. Star it's it's my fa- it's my favorite. It, it doesn't matter which which era of it. I love Star Wars. That's that's my jam. I have a favorite era, sure, but that's a, we're not talking about that. Is Star Wars is still also your hero's journey story. It's hero trial, where again, it's one of those things where that's the way I look at things now. Is is it the most amazing fucking movie on the planet? No, of course not. There, of course, there's someone's going to make better, but in the way that I enjoy it, in the way that I see it, that's what in the moment. Yeah, it's a it's a there it's a ten out of ten movie. Every single one of those movies are a ten out of ten movie to me because of the you know, because of the grand scheme of, of everything. But as far as like in movie making and like and like writing and everything, are they perfect? No. But I give it a oh, ten out of ten. Notch. 
Yeah, like it's, I, it's, it's 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 top fucking notch. Superhero bias aside, uh, actor bias aside, creator bias aside, like it's just a top notch flick. Yeah, yeah, and that's why, like for me, it's a it's ten a, out of ten because that's that's how I kind of look at things. You know, it's got, and, a, it's got action, it's got suspense, it's got funnies, it's mm-hmm. got crazy CGI monster. We got a fucking kaiju up in here. <laughs> And with that and coming on stories, because I feel like, so I didn't hate What If, but I think you and I are going to have two kind of varying opinions on this first episode of What If, and we're jumping into What If, the What If series start, uh, I believe, aired yesterday. Um, Uh, Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? What's today? Holy shit, it's Thursday? I thought it was Friday. Um, Actually, I thought it was Saturday, which is so weird. Um, I have... you, I gotta grab another drink and stuff. So this, yeah, what if aired yesterday? And obviously, this is building upon what Loki has done with the multiverse of madness style of stories and everything that's coming out of this. And the first episode is what you know the series is what if, which I believe in the comics is exactly what they're doing with the show. Is the what if comics were stories told by the Watcher who. If you don't know who the watcher is, the watcher is a big being that he, he basically he he just watches. He just watches. He cannot interfere. He will watchers, not interfere. Watchers are beings that, if I'm not mistaken, they watch over a certain uh, planet or a certain galaxy or something. Uh, and yeah, they just they they observe. They don't interfere. They tell the stories. And Uatu is our watcher, and he is telling us stories of alternate Earths. Yes, which starts off with this first episode is what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger, which the story, basically the general synopsis is Steve Rogers does not become, you know, does not get the super soldier serum. Peggy Carter takes the super soldier serum instead. And I want to start with, I like we knew that actors from the films were going to come back and reprise roles in the what if series. But just how great this first episode is with their cast. We've obviously got, you know, Haley Atwell comes back as Peggy Carter. We've got Stanley Tucci, who comes back as Dr. Abraham. Uh, Dominic Cooper as a young Howard Stark. Uh, Neil Neil McDonough. We bring back Neil McDonough, which is great, as Dum Dum Dugan. Sebastian Stan as Bucky. Which I'm, I'm, I'm interested that now... Young Howard, the guy who, because isn't that the guy who, who played uh, Howard Stark on Agent Carter? Yes, and he was uh, Howard Stark in the first, in the Captain America, the first Avenger, in that first. He movie. was in the first yes. movie, right? Yep. Okay, because there, there's that weird continuity issue thing where, like, he's Howard Stark for a certain point. But then after a certain point, it's just a de-aged. Um, uh, Joe Slattery, I think I want to say his name is. I, I think. I, I, um, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Which was which was great that they brought that, you know, brought them back. Yeah, you got obviously Toby Jones comes back as Arnim Zola. But there are a couple other things I want to mention in here, too, is Jeffrey Wright, who is going to be playing Commissioner Gordon in the next Batman movie which is the big one that for those of you listening who don't know who he is, that's going to be the big one you're going to know. Also, another actor who has been in so much shit. I, it looks like he was in the Hunger Games movies too. 
Um, he has been in Westworld, who he is doing the voice of the Watcher through all of this, which is basically your narrator. But also, I wanted to bring up that uh, we got Ro- Ross Mark Markand, I think is how you say his last name, who does a lot of he does a lot of voice acting, but he also did. Red Skull in Infinity War and Endgame because we didn't get back. Um, what's his name? Oh, Why am I blanking his name? He, he's the guy from uh, Walking Dead. Yes, and we also uh, we didn't we didn't get uh, Hugo Weaving back. Yes, Hugo Weaving. Thank you. Where you know he comes back, but there are two two names in here for this first episode, um, and obviously Jeremy Renner and Sam Jackson come back too um, in this first episode. But we got Bradley Whitford. As a, I don't believe he was in the first Avenger, so we've got a new Colonel in the in the uh, 1940s U.S. Army as Colonel John Flynn, where we well, bring yeah, in Bradley because, Whitford because Tommy Lee Jones dies. <laughs> yeah, they kill off Tommy Lee Jones's character real quick. Um, but also SNL alumni Daryl Hammond is in right. this episode. And he does. I it says Nazi general, and what I'm believing is the Nazi general he does the voice for is when Captain Carter goes at one point to infiltrate whatever Nazi base they were going at. I think it's for that final battle in the episode. I think he is the general standing out front that goes. He's like, "Who? Why would you send a Fraulein? And she was like, "I'm going to show you that." Or he was the guy trying to get Red Skull to just fucking listen to Hitler and stop doing his dumb shit. He was one of the, because he doesn't have a name. He's just credited as Nazi general on IMDb. So I don't know exactly what character he was. So I honestly, I enjoyed the episode. I don't think it's going to be my favorite once all of the episodes have aired. And it, it was, more so, which didn't make it bad, but it was more so the Disney-fied kind of Bucky Barnes one-liners Kind of, you know, as an example where it was like, all right, like, come on, can we get like, can we give him more than just like, holy fish on a table, Batman kind of lines, which is what he had, which were funny. I'm not saying they were bad. It was just like, well, after a while, you're like, come on, what are we like, what are we doing? Well, you also get, you got to remember, like, the man, the man of what time he was, you know, that That's is true. the 40s. I, I will he say, hasn't been, he hasn't been winter soldier fied. And the, he doesn't in this. No, no, we completely yeah. You know, in this in this universe in this timeline that is broken off from the sacred timeline, he gets rescued. And what we do get from from this episode are two key things that I really loved as far as the writing for it is obviously bringing back Neil McDonough as Dum Dum Dugan. I love that. But also when Captain Carter shows up to rescue that team, which obviously in the first Avengers, Steve does. Neil McDonough's first line is like, oh, we had, you know, I didn't know there were dames in the army. When did that happen? And then she just like punches a Nazi in the face and he goes, now, I guess it happened now. And then they just kind of blow past it and keep going. But another big thing I love, and I don't have the exact quote, but I do remember this because I have... I haven't seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies or the Hobbit movies, but I've read all the books. Same. And I haven't read the books either. Obviously, in uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, they bring up the, there's the whole scene with Sam and Bucky where he's like, oh, how do you know who Gandalf is? He's like, I read the Hobbit when it came out. So 
they all they reference that where I can't remember exactly what Peggy says, but there's a chapter in The Hobbit where I believe it's like where eagles dare. Um, and obviously that's when the birds show up to come get the hobbits and everything like that. If you're, you're a Lord of the Rings person, that's when the birds show up. I believe that's the name of that chapter. Haley actually, you know, Captain Carter says that when they go to zip line onto the, onto the train, she says the, whatever the exact title is for that section of the Hobbit, which I thought was a very nice callback. If you didn't know anything about the Hobbit is that's ba- it's coming back to the Hobbit which was already referenced in the other show. And I love the, I love little things like that when they throw that into shows. Um, and also we do get, we get the, we get the, the first Iron Man in this yep. timeline where Steve Rogers has, has survived, but he's still skinny and he's not super soldiered up where Howard makes him. He's, para- using, he's also paralyzed from the waist down. Mm-hmm, and he uses the, what I looks believe like he uses a, the uh, the tesseract to power it too, and he builds he, him an yeah. Iron Man suit. He uses the tesseract to power what looks like Howard's Howard Stark's version of the Mach One. Hmm. Which I actually I thought I thought that was great, and I loved that. That was really awesome for them to kind of you know to to make this story even more interesting. It like you know like I said I don't I don't think it's going to be my favorite of the series. But I I still enjoyed it. I, I'm probably more excited about Ch- Chadwick Boseman's last performance as basically if uh, T'Challa is uh, Star Lord four. What about he's four? In four? He's in four episodes. Oh, it's in four episodes. That's awesome. I didn't he's know in, that. Isn't he's, he's in he he appears in four episodes. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm excited for that. And to, especially to see obviously more of our, our favorites come back from the films, but also to see who else we get cast as other characters in each episode. Well, obviously, yeah, like the example, like Bradley Whitford, I, I love Bradley Whitford. I think he's great from happy uh, from Billy Madison to now. I love Bradley Whitford in anything he does. And so, like, you know, that was that was a big fun one for me. So I'm excited to see who else they get for the rest of the series. I what, kiddo? No, you can fix yourself. Stop. Put your legs down. That's how. Um, I like this as a first episode, even though obviously it was going to get greenlit, but if you still think of this as like something that would have been a pilot episode or something, something that they would have had to have shown a network to be like, this is what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a really good introduction to the concept. Yes. Um, also the fact that it's MCU canon, like we have, like we have to see Haley Atwell As in the full Captain as, Carter, as Captain Carter in the MCU, right? Like that has to happen. Just get around like the height thing. How like that doesn't matter, but just like that has to happen, right? You you know, and especially with it being MCU canon, I I you know I this is this is a theory and this is just an opinion, and it might not be a good one. 
But we do have that was announced that there is the untitled uh, Chris Evans Captain America project that is supposed to happen too. I don't know if they're going to go anywhere with this into that. Um, the you know this could be like a whole thing. Not that, I, obviously... not, not that I don't doubt that, but like since that kind of hasn't like been like any like official announcement on Chris Evans being back, I kind of just all put that in quotes. Yeah, the, and there's there's plenty of things, and they I feel like studios do this all the time, and this is also I think. You know, there's obviously there's always stuff that happens to where they'll announce things and then it just doesn't, whether it be actual behind the scenes stuff or writer problems or things like that, but also just the way kind of stories fit, you know, who knows if, if it'll, if what they had planned will even fit for what they're doing anymore, but who, who knows? We'll, we'll see. But the, they, de- you're right though. They definitely well, got, like, they got to bring in Haley Atwell and the captain Carter. Also, just on a de- just on like an even more behind the scenes front, when it comes to all that stuff, like Disney is slowly imploding from the inside because because Bob Iger did not didn't did not choose correctly, and now he's regretting his decision, and everyone's like, "You shouldn't have done this," and it like I I've, like they they whoever whoever Iger chose to replace him like they need to get rid of this guy even before he officially like takes over because already just the the little things that he has done um but, sorry not to get off on but like they cut all ties they they disney has cut all ties with scarlett johansson oh completely completely like the tower of terror movie that she was supposed to be doing with him like she's no longer attached to that um, and like, that's not going to make Feige happy. That's not going to make, that's not going to make Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. want to fucking come back anytime soon. Um, and like, it's going to put a bad taste in a lot of fans mouths. And like, I know that Bob Iger was pissed about how the situation with Scarlett Johansson was handled because say what you will about Bob Iger, but like the man knew how to run that company and the man, you know, Uh, he 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 knew what to do in the in the proper places, and he knew how to take care of. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say he took care of everybody, but he knew where the bread was buttered, and he knew he knew just how they've handled the whole Scarlett Johansson situation is just not. It's not a good look, and it's not great. Yeah, and now and- especially since they cut all ties, it's just. What are they doing? Which, which you know, it's, it's uh, you know, could not circle back to James Gunn too, but we remember, you know, th- things like this were coming out too. We're just using where he got canned, and Dave Bautista said, "Well, then, <laughs> I'm not coming back." Was you know, was was things that like Bautista said because of the way they were, you know, handling things at the time, where Bautista was like, "All right, well, then I'm not, I'm not going to come back as Drax. That's fine." Like he's like, "That's bullshit." Like we, you know, and then there was the whole we stand with James Gunn. You know, notice that went out too, signed by the cast from Gardens. Like, no, no, and you know, you get things like this. So, you know, like you said, because I, I didn't know any of that. I just actually pulled up the article, and you know, seeing that, like, I didn't, I didn't even know Bob Iger was stepping down or stepped down and picked a replacement. I didn't even know that, um, and didn't know that they cut ties with her. And just for for them to fuck up like that, at least they backtracked with James Gunn. At least they were like, 
Like this is this is not this is not a good look. Let's let's backtrack. You know, obviously. Yeah, because I was Iger. Yeah, and that that's that's I wanted to like boost up your point there. Is that's exactly what happened. Is Bob Iger was like, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Let's let's fix this. Let's smooth this over. Let's make sure this works. And whoever he picked was just like, nah, I'm not doing it that way. And Dee's, I just gotta grab a, I just gotta grab a drink. Oh, okay, man. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's not a good look. That's not. They 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 the, I, I they screwed her over pl- point blank with the sole fact that they didn't talk to her beforehand about switching the uh, s- switching the 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 release method of the Black Widow movie, and then they screwed her over by not restructuring the contract, and then they want to go out and like publicly say the money she made to try to get like. The public to be like, oh, you know, like to try to look, oh, look at the the look at the rich actress complaining about the money she made. And it's like, no, that's not the point. There was a contract; she was expected X amount of dollars through a theatrical release. They changed the game on her, and they didn't change contracts accordingly, so they broke contract. Like that's just it's plain and simple. You you can yeah. you they, they can try to spin it uh, like I said before they can try to spin it like like when they publicly released how much they paid her and it's just like trying to get the public you know trying to be like oh look at the rich actress complaining about all the money she made guys and it's like no like she was promised X amount through a theatrical release and that the, that total theatrical release didn't happen. So contracts should have been changed and like, yeah, there there should have been a contract restructure once things kind of got, you know, got to a point where, all right, well, this is how we need to attack this. There should have been a contract restructure at that time. Which is what, which is what Warners did when they announced that every movie was going to be released on HBO max without a premium, you know, just for the regular to try to grab, you know, they restructured contracts. Mm Mm-hmm. And they said, like, look, we're sorry. This is what we're going to, you know, like, here you go. And, yeah, people like Christopher Nolan, like, complained or whatever. Or is just like, oh, I don't want to do this and whatnot. But at the same time, like, if you're going to change it, you have to then in turn change the contracts. Yes. And if you don't do that, then you're in breach of contract. That and And like of course, like you're, you know, basically like your clients are going to be unhappy. Of course, like you, like you, and like it's 2021. It's the, you know, it's not 1930 anymore where it's like, all right, things have changed. So we need to change this. Otherwise one of our top billing clients is going to, you know, it's going to, they're going to be pissed. So for them to just go, yeah, you know what? You're a fucking idiot. Nah, we're not doing it. Yeah. We're not going to fix this. We're not going to restructure this. It's right. just, it's just absurd. No, I mean, it's, this is not the way to just, you know, regardless of, you know, the amount of money these people make, but this is, you know, like, this is not how you treat your employees. This is not how you treat someone who has done a lot of work with your company, who has made a lot of money for your company. And then you're just going to turn around and just like, you know, no. And, And 
what saddens me is that like I feel like Bob Iger did a lot of work on trying to on turning Disney into what it is now to this powerhouse that is loved again by mostly everybody mm -hmm. for all different reasons. And like it became, you know, like a company you can trust again. Not that it necessarily wasn't, but like, you know, how it always just seemed like, oh, you know, like Ah, oh, Disney's a scam, you know, like oh, yeah, just the, just the normal every normal human being knows corporate bullshit, you know, being yeah, a conglomerate kind of thing. Like, <laughs> whereas you know, whereas Bob Iger was like, yeah, no, we're not going to drop prices, but like we're going to change the quality of everything that you've been getting the last however long, and like mm -hmm. we're going to make that you know we're going to make the money that you're spending worth it, and that's what he's done with everything that he's done to this point. Sorry, I'm trying to crack my neck. <laughs> And you know it's funny because I, it because it touches based on the same thing where, it, when it comes to like the music scene and everything, right? Is there was I remember I like to bring this up. It's one of my favorite things I've watched. It's a Frank Zappa interview where he has talked about where, in in the record industry and in the record labels, it's originally record labels had, you know, your your fat cat sitting behind a desk smoking a cigar taking chances just to see what made money. And if it didn't make money, they would get rid of it to then getting these young guys that are on the street saying, here's what's cool coming in and then basically kind of shutting doors for other things where at least the fat cats were taking chances because they wanted to make sure it made money may not have been Bob Iger's only intentions, but at least Iger's intentions. Like, yeah, you know, part of it was like, all right, well for us to kind of keep making money the way we make money, Here's what we need to do for our employees to make sure that they stay happy. And then was everything changed and Bob Iger stepping down, this new person is going, you know, no, whether it be for whatever fucking reason, you know, no, this isn't how we're going to do things. And then jumping into, you know, basically again, cutting off an employee who is a top grossing employee is just not, not smart. No. No, not in the least. And I mean, look, you can think whatever you want because like the character of Black Widow is dead. But like I said, like um, uh, it, it, she had other projects in the pipeline with Disney. And obviously, mm -hmm. like she is a star that it has drawing power. It, it just it's like it's just it's not a good look. And it 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 brings Disney and it starts having Disney starts having the taste in their mouth that they had before Bob Iger took over when it was fucking, um, what's his name? Uh, Mike Eisenberg. Mm -hmm. And you know that, you know, towards the tail end of his run, like, you know, like Disney didn't have the best, the best reputation with people on a multitude of things. And it looks, yep. you know, it, they're going right back there. And that's just, that, that's not a good look for anybody. No, and it, it's it's the same thing with like us normies and our normal people jobs. It's the same thing with everybody, you know, not to get too political about the world, but it's the same concept of all of us getting sick and tired of people sitting around on top of us, making us do all the work to make their businesses run to then not appreciate us. And that this is just on a grander scale. It doesn't matter how much money she makes. It's this is her job and she is an employee that that is a part of the business that makes it run. She may not be the only thing that makes it run, but she's a part of it. She's a cog in the wheel to keep things going where not only is this not a good look, but of course, like you're going to, you know, I know a couple other actresses, um, 
have come out. I know Emily Blunt with Jungle Cruise came out when this came out, and she was like, "I'm I'm gonna restructure mine too. Like you gotta, you know, you can't like if you're gonna do it this way. Here's how it needs to go, because that's how I should be reciprocated and or compensated rather. Probably both reciprocated and compensated. And so it's the same thing where, of course, like you did this to the one, you're going to piss off the rest of your employees, which is going to make running your business extremely difficult. And not to end this on a, on a kind of, on a dark note talking about the corporate conglomerates, but want to thank you guys for checking out this episode. We did not get to clerks three today, but we will get to it for next week's episode. So Stay tuned and come back to us again. If you don't know, we have our own channel on YouTube. Um, we have our own channel on podcasting. I've actually broken it down where if you search This Is Noise Media on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it will bring up all three podcasts underneath the This Is Noise umbrella, which also on the This Is, this is Noise section because uploading all of our episodes before that to this channel is going to be absolute hell and I don't have the capabilities to do that. So all of our previous episodes are there on the, this is noise podcast channel. And of course we've got our, this is our episode three, basically our, our soft reboot on, on this channel. This is our suicide. This is our, the suicide squad. That's exactly what this is with our new intro. We're trying to keep things a little bit more professional. So again, thank you guys for listening. Please like rate and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, look down below us. Go to teespring.com slash this is noise, and then you can go to the store. There is the This Is Entertainment shirt, which features our our cartoon faces on it. And there is now a hoodie with the with the same thing on it, which features the faces. Yes, the deeds is pointing at in the corners here <laughs> on on top of us. If you're watching on YouTube and if you're listening, it's teespring.com slash this is noise. I believe it's actually teespring.com slash this is entertainment, which is where you can get that shirt, but I will put the link in the description of the video and of the show. So please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like to get some merch, get some merch. We appreciate that. It keeps the shows running to the top quality that they can be with all of your support. But just listening is cool too. And again, next episode, next episode's just I think next episode's gonna be very just Kevin Smith clerks heavy. Because I gotta <laughs> I, I gotta because I gotta um yeah, we got to talk Clerks 3, and I got to talk about the fact that I just recently last week watched the Jane Silent Bob reboot because um, it was on Amazon, so I was able to sit down and watch that. And and Kevin Smith's stand-up special, the one that he had the heart attack at. I finally watched that for the first time. So next episode's going to be very view askew, Kevin Smith heavy for the entire episode. I think we're just going to stick with that next episode, and that's what we're going to talk about. But again... I can't stress it enough. Thank you guys for listening and watching. We appreciate you. It's it's seriously it means a lot because we love doing this and we love we love talking about all the fun things that we love talking about. But thank you guys again. Goodbye. We love you. And Deeds, are you ready for the outro? Do it, do it! We love you.